The reason that our country is in the mess that it is in today is not because of the Republicans, it's not because of the Democrats. Let me tell you this, it's because of lame Christians. There is a reproach that comes with being a follower of Christ. We in America have tried to reshape the whole church so that it's palatable and likable in the culture. A church that is accepted well with the culture is usually not accepted well with Christ. The church is a fortress, and a fortress is strength. A fortress is might. Not only a center of defense, but a place of strategic planning and offense. Our God does not expect us to wait for the darkness to enclose around us. He expects us to take up His banner and fight the darkness with His light. You want to know what the biggest problem with America is? The wolf is this country. Gave in. Gave in to public pressure. Gave in to political correctness. One of the greatest curses this country has ever had to deal with is political correctness. Preparing the Christian to shine the light against the darkness of this world. Welcome to Our Mighty Fortress Podcast. I'm your host, Ron Miller, and welcome to the show. We have a continuation of our fascinating subject from last week. But first, please go ahead and hit that follow or subscribe button on the podcast platform in which you're listening to us upon. Go ahead Hit that subscribe button. It sure helps us out. We do have several social media platforms with all sorts of material that you can listen to and read. Check us out on our fan page on Facebook when you type in the search bar, the at symbol, Our Mighty Fortress. We put all sorts of things on there daily and I hope it will be a blessing to you. Of course, if you are listening through our YouTube page, please go ahead and hit that like button and subscribe to the channel. Greatly appreciate that YouTube does have a very vicious algorithm, so every little bit helps. You can also visit our website at OurMightyFortress.com. We have a host of media there where we have written articles as well as videos and even a link to our merch store to help support the work. And of course, if you do feel so motivated to donate to work to the work that we do here, feel free to do so through our website in the established PayPal link. If we've helped you in some way through our work, Please tell us at OurMightyFortress at gmail.com. Send us an email. I'd love to be able to hear about it. By following and supporting the podcast, you let me know that you care about the subjects that we discuss. Today, I would like to continue our study into whether psychology is comparable to the Word of God, or even if Christians should adhere to any aspect of it. The first episode, we spent time analyzing the science behind psychology and how there actually is none. We looked at the scientific field's opinion of psychology being a pseudoscience and how even some psychologists are actually embracing that concept to actually redefine science itself. In this episode, we're going to compare some of the teachings of psychology and specifically compare it to the Word of God. We will first look at who most would call the founder of psychology with the Jewish neuroscientist Sigmund Freud. We won't dive too deep in all of his teachings, but this would be a great start to see further what he taught was a doctrine of devils. We will then move into more practical refutation of psychological teachings of self-esteem and how it's 
not only destroying our culture, but turning people away from God. We will also analyze how this teaching directly goes against Scripture. We will then take a look how psychology victimizes people and how it twists how a person interacts with the world. We'll see many examples from each of these, and these two concepts in psychology conflict with Christianity. And really, Christians will have to come to terms with what Scripture says when compared to this vain, uh, vain philosophy. With that introduction, let's get right into this. The first part of this series explained the general scientific opinion of psychology and how it's considered not a legitimate branch of science. I want to get more into the spiritual side with this podcast, with starting with what I believe is the doctrine of devils. Sigmund Freud was desperately wicked and a very perverse man. His whole philosophy revolved around the sexualization of everything, especially children and their growth development. Freud developed what was once the standard of psych psychological approach to understanding children back in 1905. There is no question by psychologists today that his philosophy affected Western society and practice and the overall pseudoscience of psychology itself. He developed his five stages for children around sexual maturation and would involve the child's search for pleasure that focuses on different parts of the body at different ages where Freud would call the erogenous zones. This first was called the oral stage when the child is born because the baby being very mouth-oriented. During the toddler stage, he, he called this the anal stage because of the bowel and bladder functions. The third stage he called the phallus, which is the technical term for the male sex organ. The child supposedly becomes infatuated and sexually attracted with the opposite sex parent. He calls this the Oedipus complex, which is based upon that story in Greek mythology. The fourth stage he calls latency, and this is where sexual interests are supposed to decline for a while. The final stage of child development is in the teenage years, in which he calls the general stage, genital stage of sexuality, where basically now that the child has become more sexually aroused. Now you can take a look at everything that he said about these particular stages, but what I find utterly astounding is that there were people who actually took this man serious instead of questioning his very character for his perverse nature. No real doctor then, or even in our modern medicine, ever labels things in this way about children. The scripture says in the book of Luke, chapter 6 and verse 45, quote, A good man out of good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is evil. For the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaketh. End quote. Someone might respond, well, you're just attacking his character instead of his theories. That's just ad hominem. The problem is, is that his theories are wrapped up in his moral character. He had many accusations of sexual misconduct during his lifetime but there was no doubt at all about this man's depravity when his correspondence letters with his friends Carl Jung and William Fleece came out you can read their letters to each other 
today and come to your own conclusions if you doubt what I say next in learning about Freud's philosophy, especially around children, you have to ask the question if he was a closet homosexual and or pedophile. While there is no hard evidence of him molesting children, his theories about children are very sexual in nature, and the connection isn't, isn't far to, to make, given normal people don't think this way about kids. But he is, in fact, a homosexual with sexual relations confirmed with William Fleece and about as close as sexual language hints that you could get with his other friend, Carl Jung. You can read those, you can, or you can read that in their correspondence letters. The man did have multiple sexual relationships with various women outside his wife to include his sexual dream fantasies about his young sister-in-law, and he'd write about that to Carl Jung. From Freud's writings, it seems that his father sexually abused both his brother and several of his sisters. But he doesn't say much about any interaction if his dad did it to him. But who knows? Carl Jung admitted that he was sexually molested as a boy by a man he trusted. And this is very much the root of the sexual perversion in both of their teachings. I could spend a whole podcast on the depravity of Sigmund Freud. But after this study, I have found just so much about this guy I never even knew. I only knew general concepts and and how that relates with scriptures, but I didn't really know the nitty-gritty details about his life specifically. I felt like after reading all this trash, you have to cleanse my brain. The point is made that this man is not in any way qualified to tell us anything about the human psyche. Not only were his theories the start of the psycho nonsense we see today, but his perversions lived on for decades after. Before we start to wave off, you know, and try to excuse his teachings, let us keep in mind that Freud said in reference to his teachings, quote, no one who disdains the keys will ever be able to unlock the door, end quote. So what he was saying is that if you don't take his teaching seriously, then you'll never understand anything about the human psyche. The sexual misconduct of two of the most famous psychologists, Freud and Jung, are only the half of it, as Jung was fascinating with the occult. Should this actually surprise us that he was fascinated with witchcraft? <laughs> no, definitely not. We've spent enough time on these perverts to show that they cannot be trusted in their so-called new science. From here, I want to fast forward to the evolution of psychology and the devastation it has caused the Western world. This philosophy has been brought into the churches of America with men and women calling themselves Christian psychologists. Since this has been brought into the church by those claiming to be Christians, sin has been downplayed and more philosophies of Loving yourself have been propagated. The scripture clearly states that from the birth of man, he goes astray. We see that in Psalm 8 and verse 3. In fact, man's every good work is filthy in God's eyes. We see that in Isaiah 64, 6. The first psychological theory that we're going to analyze is about the self-esteem movement. 
This whole concept wraps around lessening the fact that you're a sinner in God's eyes. This is very important to understand because if someone gets their understanding wrong on this matter, then the sacrifice of Jesus Christ means nothing and neither does salvation. Psychology does recognize a difference between the flesh and the spirit. They don't use those concepts, but they instead label it as human personality and the human body, which both revolve around humanism. That very idea is anti-Christian, yet it's given a pass in many churches today because pastors don't know any better. It astounds me how many pastors give psychology a pass for their own responsibility to counsel people. It's astounding how many pastors have bought into this psycho nonsense. I've heard way too many pastors use phrases like chemical imbalances and mental illness. These pastors are completely ignorant of what that even means because I do believe and hopefully give the people the benefit of the doubt that if they were shown, if they were to read about those types of concepts, that they wouldn't believe that because they would see that it's utter nonsense. Self-worth is one of the most potent humanistic ideas to invade the church in the last 100 years. The background for this teaching is based upon Jesus' response to the Pharisees and lawyers asking him what the greatest commandment was in the book of Matthew. Chapter 22 and starting in verse 37, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And here's where the Christian psychologists focus in on. Verse 39 says, And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. End quote. The Christian psychologist will tell you that what Jesus really meant was is that you need to love yourself. And when you learn to do that, then you can love your neighbor the same way. Christian psychology will tell us that they know most people have a poor self-image, and some even hate themselves. They just need to learn to love themselves more before they can biblically love others and even God. We are told in the book of Matthew, chapter 16, verse 24, that, quote, Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me, end quote. This is distinctly opposite from the idea of self-esteem. We're taught over and over again that we are sinners and wretched before God. And from birth, man goes astray. The book of Psalms, chapter 58, and verse 3 says, quote, The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they are born, speaking lies, end quote. Even our Every good work is filthy before God. As I said previously, it says in 64, verse, Isaiah 64 and verse 6, quote, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses, or our good works, are filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away, end quote. When you go to the New Testament, that picture is no different. Jesus himself says in the book of Mark, chapter 7, verses 21 through 23, he says, quote, From within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, 
adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. End quote. For heaven's sakes, over half the chapter of Romans 1 verses 18 through 32 speaks about how wicked man is before God. So much for self-esteem, right? It seems from scripture that God doesn't care about how much you love yourself that, or that you need to love yourself more. He's telling you the, the complete opposite. He's telling you you're desperately wicked. You are a very desperately wicked person in need of a savior. The sooner that people realize that, then real change can be made through Christ in their lives. The emphasis on behavior and the environment of man is never brought up in scripture as to the reason why we accept or reject Jesus Christ. The book of John chapter 3 and verse 19 says, quote, And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. End quote. What is it saying? It's saying that, well, it's not your environment as to the reason why you you hate Jesus or your relationship with your father, your earthly father, as the reason why you hate God. I would You could literally spend another podcast on that subject alone about the false ideology of, oh, well, you, bet you have to have reconciliation with your earthly father before you can love your heavenly father. Complete and total nonsense. In his book, Christian Psychology's War Against God, Jim Owen says this about the self-esteem movement. Quote, Scripture assumes we love ourselves because it is the unavoidable expression of our sin nature. By nature, we love ourselves above all things, including and especially God. End quote. The self-love is already ingrained in us. And is one of the major hindrances as to the or as to why we can't get past the first commandment in the list of ten commandments, which is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, and all thy mind. You can't fulfill it in its entirety. You fall short of that every single day. Man is already guilty before God in violating his commands because it can't even get past the very first commandment. That's truth. You also have to think about how in the world did 1900 plus years of Christianity somehow miss people are just supposed to love themselves before the emergence of psychology. 1900 years of writings before psychology emerged and none of it talks about loving yourself more. All of those men of God who preach those millions, if not billions of messages just got it wrong and messed up God's original intention of self-worth. Yet according to Christian psychologists Frank Minnerth and Paul Meyer, a lack of self-worth is, quote, the basic of most psychological problems, end quote. Victimization walks hand in hand with psychology's concept of self-worth. Victimization is basically that everything negative that happens to you in your life is not really your fault. 
They say that it could be your environment or the people around you. And you're definitely not a sinner, so you're not at fault for any of your errors either. You just need to be educated more or you just need to be around the right environment to you know, succeed and advance in this life. This type of ideology is all through our education system. Victimization fundamentally changes how a person responds to the message of Jesus Christ and the cross. The message is changed from Jesus coming into the world to pay for man's sins because they're desperately wicked to Jesus Christ has come to the world to meet the needs of those who have been victimized and whose lives have just been messed up by victimization, ultimately because the person is the one who is the most victimized. <laughs> Jim Owen states that, quote, Christian psychology speaks of victimization. God speaks of the implacable enmity of the wicked toward God. Christian psychology speaks of man's painful disappointments and hurts. God speaks of mean-spirited profligates. Christian psychology speaks of low self-esteem and the need for an appropriate self-love. God speaks of the despicable idolatry of self-worship. How a Christian should think biblically and according to Christ's teachings is absolutely opposite to what psychology teaches. You cannot blend the two as one stems from God while the other stems from humanism. It is utterly astounding that Christianity today, the so-called Christian, you know, resource and reading for various topics states that, quote, myth, a pastor is competent to counsel his parishioners. Fact, most pastors are armed with only a meager knowledge of behavioral therapies. A pastor's calling is primarily a spiritual one, helping people to find strength in God's presence and a sense of divine direction, end quote. For thousands of years, the Bible has been adequate to equip the saints to go through all tragedy, facing persecution, and even the ultimate end of martyrdom. How are Christians today so eager and insistent on turning from the teachings of the Word of God, but are trying to replace it with, as what the book of Jeremiah says in uh, chapter 2 and verse 13, it says, quote, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water, end quote. That is a very fitting verse for trying to replace scriptures with a false ideology. I do want to make one thing very, very clear. There is a difference between mental issues like depression, anxiety, bipolar, schizophrenia, and other curable mental actions and actual mental deficiencies or handicaps. If someone has autism, that is a legitimate mental handicap for people. If someone sustains brain injuries and has their memory erased, that is a legitimate science of neurology. If you have those type of brain issues, then you have to go see a neurologist, not a psychologist or a psychiatrist. And just because you can peddle psychodrugs as psychi psychiatrists do doesn't make it any better given that those 
how much damage those drugs have caused our society. Don't get hoodwinked by the false science. It was Dr. Jeffrey H. Boyd, after decades of experience, who said this, quote, I am chairman of psychiatry and chairman of ethics at Waterbury Hospital, a teaching hospital affiliated with Yale Medical School. Have been on the faculty of the National Institutes of Health, published articles in the New England Journal of Medicine, in the leading psychiatry research journals, and chapters in the leading textbooks. I am even one of the authors of the diagnostic system used in psychiatry. During 1995, I admitted, treated, and discharged from the hospital 712 psychiatric patients, most of them psychotic, desperate, suicidal, homeless, and ind indigent people living on the street. However, I figured that secular mental health soul therapists are incompetent because most have no expertise whatsoever of the, in the major sources of information about the soul. The Bible, he says, as the contrary, the Bible and 2,000 years of theological anthropology outdo them, end quote. Now, this is quite a statement from somebody who is a psychiatrist and doesn't seem to be a Christian. He is just a secular person, a person, unsaved person that's making observations about people's actual mental health. Whether it's solving sin-related issues or actual mental handicaps, psychology doesn't add anything productive or anything of value to the medical field. This is the reason why you can have 100 scientists in a room and 95 to 100 different types of therapies given as a solution. It's not a real science. This is also the reason that science doesn't actually respect the branch of psychology as a legitimate science. Of course, if, you, if you're listening to this podcast first, see part one for evidence of that claim. I have to read about another Christian psychology case study as given by Jim Owen. He says, quote, Recently, I read an account of how two Christian psychologists had cured Christian sex addicts. One of the addicts, Treated was a practicing homosexual and had been for 20 years. The counselor discovered that the root of his homosexual behavior was childhood rejection by his family, especially by his father, whose failure to affirm him made him feel unloved, unlovable, and no good. Thus he grew up lacking a proper self-worth and developed a deficient personality. As he grew up, other people reinforced this pattern of rejection and low self-esteem. Even after he married, he still didn't feel loved and cared for until he met or until he had his first homosexual experience while attending a Christian college. Man, I could park right there on that one, but let's continue. From that point on, he became more and more confirmed in his homosexual behavior. Attempts at reform or counseling from other Christians were failures. He became cynical and bitter towards God, the Bible, and Christianity. All of this came out through extensive victimization counseling. The pathway to his cure was threefold. First, a reconciliation with his aged father was brought about. Next, the counselors noticed that 
whenever he felt rejected, which seemed you know quite often, their client would seek sex with a male partner. Resisting temptation then was not in resisting deviant lust, rather in resisting his feelings of rejection that fueled his feelings of low self-esteem. Homosexual activity would follow to escape these feelings. The counselors helped him to renew his mind and emotions around the issue of rejection. Had this not taken place, they said, he could not have repented of his sexual sin from the heart. End quote. There is absolutely so much to say there about how unbiblical and ungodly that entire process was about those two Christian psychologists. Not to mention with a man that's not even saved and actual reprobate. I mean, we have an entire nation that's just twisted by this whole victimization and self-esteem ideology. Nothing is ever your fault. And if you only just had more self-love, you can achieve anything. There are so many more stories that I could read. And there are biblical counselors that write books about this and the failures of Christian psychology. I said biblical counselors, not Christian psychologists. What is a biblical counselor? Somebody who takes the word of God, who's knowledgeable in the word of God, and knows how to approach things scripturally and not the false science of psychology. There are so many books that you can read on just different topics and you can see how people with the most messed up lives can come to Christ. I will do subsequent podcasts on other aspects of psychology deceiving Christians later. But really the point of the first two parts of this series is to shake the foundation of what Christians think psychology does. I pray that anyone listening to this will become more emboldened to reject the pagan philosophy and human humanistic practice of psychology. I pray that you have faith and trust in the word of God, that God can help you overcome your sins and your issues. Most importantly, that you would become a teacher and advocate against this false ideology and help revolutionize the church back to where it's supposed to be. I want to thank you for listening. And be sure to follow us on the podcast media. Take a look at our website, OurMightyFortress.com, and subscribe for more updates. Stay tuned next time for more great content, and remember to find your refuge and strength in Our Mighty Fortress.